Welcome to Euractiv's Digital Brief Podcast. My name is Luca Pertuzzi, your digital media editor. This week, we take a closer look at Poland and how it's confronting hybrid threats. For an overview on all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website Euractiv.com. This is Euractiv's Digital Brief Podcast. This week, I was joined by Janusz Czeczenski, Secretary of State and Government Plenipotentiary for Cybersecurity. We uh, agreed on the general approach to do, uh, towards the NIS uh, directive. Uh, this is uh, something which is related to cybersecurity, and cybersecurity is a priority for Poland, and therefore we have uh, proposed that during the next stages of the legislative process, more focus will be put not only on the theory and the framework, what we want to achieve, but also on the measures that are needed to actually make this happen. Because uh, we strongly believe that without the necessary resources and uh, clear ways of funding, it will be hard to achieve the very ambitious goals of NIS2. What threats are Europe and Poland in particular facing? The threats at the moment are, uh, as it was stated by uh, the 27 states just recently, uh, coming from Russia and, as we have confirmed in recent weeks, Belarus as well. And this, I think, we can now put in a broader context of what's happening on the Polish border. And we think that the disinformation activities that were happening before were just something to begin before the real action started. And uh, that we could see uh, on uh, international media just uh, a few weeks ago when the physical attack on Poland, a hybrid attack using uh, migrants that came from Iraq, Iran uh, to to the Polish border. Uh, and we see that what was happening in previous months was just something that was uh, meant to destabilize uh, Poland and the European Union as well. And when we saw this happening and reacted quickly, further measures were introduced. Was this all part of a coordinated attack? Of course. Uh, disinformation is the, uh, for many, many years has been the favorite weapon uh, of uh, these Eastern adversaries, and we know that for a fact. And uh, I think it's no coincidence that there's so much disinformation going around uh, COVID before it was around the, the development of 5G networks. And we see that uh, things that are necessary for us to develop our countries that are necessary for a brighter future for Europeans are targeted by our adversaries. And uh, I think that when we look at uh, the entire state of play, we have to look at all the factors and cyber threats are one of them. And uh, Poland has been a victim of these attacks, uh, Lithuania, Germany as well. And this led to the joint declaration of 27 states that condemned Russian actions. And this is why we believe that if we want to put uh, put forward new legislation, it should have, apart from what we want to achieve, very strict measures on how we should achieve it. And in cybersecurity, what you desperately need in state cybersecurity 
is money to pay for experts to pay for the new software hardware that's necessary to provide an always increasing level of cybersecurity. Where are these attacks coming from and what are they trying to achieve? We have reports that confirm uh, that it was Russia and we have reports that confirm it was Belarus. It's always very hard uh, to have uh, attribution in these cyber attacks. But we believe that if the best experts in the field say so as well, then we can uh, we can be uh, sure that we're right about this. And uh, of course, when you look at the whole uh, the, the whole chain of event events, you see that uh, what what came first was just disinformation, and now you have physical attacks on the European border on Lithu Lithuania and the Poland, and we th we see that. What is happening uh, is meant to destabilize the whole European Union. And we're happy that our U European partners uh, came and told us that they support us and that they want to help us tackle this crisis because this is not only the Polish border, but it's also the European border. What are you doing to address these hybrid threats? Uh, we have just passed a bill in Poland that forms a cybersecurity fund it's a fund that is meant to finance uh, uh, the work of experts in all institutions, in all public institutions that are responsible for cybersecurity. We know that these skills are very uh, in very high demand, and therefore we need to uh, be uh, in contact with what the market off offers. So we introduced a special provision that puts cybersecurity experts outside of the uh, of the remuneration uh, scheme for public servants and we have special a special fund that's uh, amounts to 150 million złoty which is about 40 million euro at the moment and uh, we want to uh, we want to put that money forward to uh, uh, attract better people but also to um, get people that are already in the services uh, to stay there because this uh, the, if the gap between the market and what we were able to pay would broaden then we wouldn't be able to keep the experts that we have spent a lot of time and resources to develop what about containing this information online we have uh, invested in uh, fact-checking uh, websites. Uh, we're building uh, a team that will capitalize on what we've learned during the vaccination campaign because we have done a lot uh, with the team that was responsible for the vaccinations to tackle disinformation. We had a constant presence in social media and that was responsible for pointing out what is most important uh, in terms of fighting COVID, which is scientific knowledge and the true facts about uh, medical issues, which are sometimes very hard to explain. But if they're not explained, this is a field where the disinformation comes in. And we've uh, also uh, had experiences on 5G. We were trying to put this forward on the European level as well, but I don't think that there, there was much interest at that time. And what struck me was that when I was visiting Luxembourg, you have these anti-5G stickers all over the city. 
And you don't have that in Poland, I think, in part because we've invested heavily in education and we've published reports by scientists that explained in a friendly way what 5G is, how it works and what we can do uh, to make people uh, feel safe with the new technologies uh, being developed in Poland. How did other EU partners support you during the crisis? Cybersecurity is something where if you don't cooperate on the international level, you'll be left all alone and won't be able to succeed. We have received valuable uh, intel from our partners in many, many times. So um, we're very thankful for that. And we're cooperating within the CSERT network uh, all the time. So uh, I think this has been very good. But I believe that if we want to achieve more, then we should uh, we, we should put forward proposals to quickly introduce new measures that will even further uh, strengthen the cooperation between uh, different states and their cybersecurity uh, teams. Because in cybersecurity, you need knowledge to circulate very very fast, and before. In this, you know, Cold War intelligence community, you were all operating under this need-to-know principle with sharing any kind of information uh, very, very carefully. I think that times have changed, and now there's so much information to analyze that what's most important is to have trusted partners that together can uh, fight off threats. Because when we saw cyber threats happen uh, with the Ghost Rider attack, it was first Lithuania, then Poland, and then Germany. So we see that this wave of attacks is going from east to west. And we have, we're almost certain that it's not going to stop uh, on the German border. So we should share our knowledge. We should share the, what we've learned. And I believe that such stronger cooperation will help us to move forward and uh, i think that the uh, idea of this joint cyber unit is something that it's very is very interesting but we should not meddle a lot uh, and we should not wait to make it happen because these threats are here uh, they're, they're happening now and we need to have uh, a good response very quickly so we'll do everything that's in our power to have uh, measures put in place to have organization, uh, organizational solutions uh, developed on a European basis. And also the thing that I mentioned today on the, uh, on the me minister's meeting, wh which, which is to have a common way to finance these efforts. Because we all know that uh, cybersecurity is important but it has never before surfaced in politics. So we have to grab the momentum, we have to go forward with it, and we have to make sure that we provide the necessary resources for every member state. Because if any member state is left behind, it will be the weak point where the whole European Union can be attacked. The joint cyber unit was not welcomed by all member states, as there are already many structures in place to collaborate on cybersecurity. Do you think you need a new initiative or that you can just use what is already there? I think that what should be created is something which consists of mostly the resources that we already have, 
but there are, that are used in a more effective way. We need, I think that uh, this new structure should be something which should strengthen the cooperation between the entities that already function. And I mean, you could easily imagine that each member state would uh, have two experts, two cybersecurity experts uh, that would be a part of this unit. And we're in 2021, we're doing things remotely without gathering and having a physical office at some place is totally understandable and acceptable. So I'm not sure that the first step we should take is to you know build a new building and uh, get people behind desks there. I think the first thing we should do is to build um, build a structure that will consist of experts that already work for the member states, because uh, cooperation is the key to cybersecurity. And for many years, uh, people have spoken that, but I think that there are technical measures now that we can use to make that really work. Last week, the Council adopted the NIST 2 proposal that is going now to trilogues. How will this new legislation ensure stronger cybersecurity going forward? This is a good thing that you just mentioned because this is a part of uh, NIST 2, which is that uh, instead of what's happening now, where mm, the process of uh, selecting the entities that will be under this uh, regulation is slow and uh, has proved ineffective in many ways. This changes this uh, to a risk-based approach, which is meant to uh, introduce measures that are uh, retroactive towards a changing world. And I think that this is a good direction, and I hope that uh, we will be able to we will be able to uh, go forward with it. And uh, on the other hand, you know, we see that uh, it hasn't been a long time since NIS-1 has been passed and already a new regulation is in place and a strong commitment from all parties to get it uh, done as soon as possible. So um, I think we should focus on two things. One is the strategic view for the future. And that's uh, what the directive is about, but also on the things that are happening uh, here and now. And uh, I think that the more we talk about the need to provide um, good resources for cybersecurity and have a stable uh, stream of funding directed that way, the better. I especially appreciate the contribution from, from Minister Anders Sut from Estonia, who uh, stated at the Tallinn Digital Summit that uh, we should think of having this uh, proportion of, a, of the IT budget contributing to cybersecurity. And like in NATO, where you have defense expenses on a set level related to GDP, I think that we should look into how the, into the spending on digital technology and say that if we spend 100 euro, two euros or uh, some different proportion should be mandatory spent on cybersecurity. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free 
Digital Brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview on digital affairs in the world of European politics and policy directly in your mailbox. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.